to the Booting It podcast, where we lift the lid on breastfeeding and tell you what it's really like. I'm your host, Ruth, founder of BootingIt.com and proud mama of two. On the podcast, I'll be talking to people about their breastfeeding experience in the hopes that their stories will help and inspire others. From time to time, I'll also have a special guest on to delve deep into a breastfeeding topic. So let's get on with the show. I'm delighted to let you know that our sponsors of the Booming It podcast this week are Adora Cub, an organic baby clothing brand that have comfort and safety as their top priorities. Their award-winning soft and sustainable zip sleep suits are made from organic cotton and bamboo and are loved by parents and babies everywhere. You can find out more about Adora Cub and their range of sleep suits on their website, adoracub.com, or you can buy them on Amazon. Stay tuned for more information about our sponsors later on in this episode with an exclusive discount for Booming It listeners. Today, I'm joined by Rachel, a sleep specialist who has helped families around the world through her business and online community, Hey Sleepy Baby. Her Instagram alone, Hey Sleepy Baby, has over 150,000 followers. This is all thanks to Rachel's real life sleep tips and advice and her down to earth take on parenthood and raising well attached kids. Today, we'll be talking about what normal infant sleep behavior is and what we can expect in terms of sleep from a newborn, older baby and toddler. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. We are so looking forward to um, speaking together. So let's get stuck in. Uh, Rachel, you talk a lot about what normal infant sleep behavior is and what to expect from newborns. I imagine this is because you get a lot of questions from tired new parents who are probably in shell shock from a lack of sleep. I remember (laughs) I was. Um, Why is it important that you raise awareness of normal infant sleep? Yeah, I think that this is just such a big piece of the conversation around parenthood that's missing. I think that especially here in the States, you know, we have this message that that children really early on from, you know, the newborn stage even should be separated from their parents, should be independent, uh, should be doing all of these things related to sleep and feeding. And it really just leads to a lot of anxiety for new moms, especially, and just this feeling of failure. I remember when I had my first four years ago, you know, I didn't really know what normal was. I didn't take a sleep class or, you know, nobody told me that it was very normal for him to want to sleep on me and to want to be on my body all the time. And that he'd be, you know, waking up a few times throughout the night for, months, if not longer. So when he was doing those things, I really thought something was wrong and it really kind of just ruined the first few months of motherhood for me because it was so stressful. So I'm just kind of trying to bring that voice that I wish that I had had when I was a new mom. And I just wish I had someone telling me like that it was okay. We would get through it. It was normal. And there was nothing that I was doing wrong. Yeah, completely. And I can totally relate to that, you know, you're trying to navigate this new, as a new parent, you're trying to navigate so many new things and sleep being one of the big ones. And for so many years, sleep, infant sleep has all been around, you know, routines and getting Mm -hmm. them into their own room and this and that. And Mm -hmm. the reality is, you know, for a lot of us, that's just not, that's just not possible. But I would love to hear, you know, your, um, what your advice would be for anyone that's listening and maybe really struggling at the minute, they've got a little baby at home and they're kind of yeah. like a bit in shell shock from the lack of sleep. <laughs> and they're just wondering, I remember feeling it myself going, I don't know 
how I can go on like this, you know? And I know. What would your advice be for how they can begin to kind of cope and get a bit more rest? Yeah. So I think this is kind of the big um, ticket. The big key is learning how to manage your own sleep and take care of yourself. Because I think most of the parenting advice that's out there related to babies and baby sleep is how do we fix the baby? Whereas, you know, my take on it is a little bit different because they're most babies are not doing anything wrong. They're doing exactly what they're meant to be doing, which is waking and feeding very frequently. So I think shifting the narrative and shifting the the perspective to, okay, how do we take care of the parents? How do we take care of ourselves as we make it through this stage, which is really tough and really shocking, like you said, for many of us. Um, So some things that I recommend is really kind of, you know, instead of sending, spending so much time setting up your baby's nursery when you're pregnant and when you're newly postpartum, set up your own space to be really calming and really welcoming and somewhere that you really just want to be a little retreat. So, you know, things like nice curtains so that you can make the room dim and conducive to sleep. Um, Things that um, will make your bed more comfortable for feeding and for being up with your baby, investing in a really nice carrier so that you can wear your baby for naps. Um, You know, doing some research on how to safely bed share. Uh, I talk a lot about the safe sleep seven that can save parents a lot of uh, anxiety around bringing baby into bed with them because sometimes that is the only way that they will settle and, and it is the best way to get mom the most amount of rest. Um, and then, you know, also things like going to bed early, limiting your caffeine intake, making sure that you're eating lots of nourishing foods and drinking water and getting outside in the sun every day. Um, just making sure that you're really taking care of yourself and letting things like the chores and other things that are not necessities, um, just kind of letting it go. Yeah. I love that. I love that you know, thinking more of you and your own sleep and your own space rather than putting all the focus on this little newborn that doesn't know anything. Right. All they need is you really. They They don't need anything else. That's what I say. That's what, you know, I say to so many new mummies who are like, the baby just wants to be on me. They just want to feed all the time. And it's like, but they just, this is the fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. They just want to be on you. And if you kind of just like, let it be and just accept that it's so much easier I think that's why a lot of us find when we have our second maybe third child we're kind of like okay we know what's in store for us we know that the baby just wants to be with us and we give ourselves um you know we we allow ourselves to just accept that but Mm -hmm. yes going back to what you said about making sure your own space is so nice and I think a lot of us are guilty when we're pregnant making sure the nursery and the baby room is just perfect for that baby never to spend any time in for at least the first (laughs) exactly Whereas exactly. whenever, for me, when it came to having my second child, I made sure our bedroom was set up yep, um, all, all, all nice for the baby. So there was a changing mm-hmm. unit in the bedroom, which I never had with my first. And I wonder why did I not do that? Right. I know. And then like you say, just, um, you know, even if it's, it could be something as simple as getting new bed covers yep. or just something a more of a splurge, like getting a lovely new bed that you feel mm-hmm. really comfortable and you want to go to sleep in um but yeah those are all such great such great ideas and just to get just to get some sleep and a nap whenever you can because exactly reality is you're probably not going to get a full night's sleep during the night isn't that right um probably not unless you're very very lucky (laughs) and yes because there are some of those babies that just sleep sleep like a dream and you know they they totally happen I didn't get one of them but (laughs) but I've heard other people have yeah (laughs) I 
wanted to take a little break in this episode to tell you more about our sponsors, Adora Club. Their award-winning organic two-way zip sleep suits are designed in the UK and vary from bright, beautiful hand-painted prints to more neutral grey stripes, which are all unisex, allowing them to be passed on and used again and again. In fact, sustainability is at the heart of the Dora Cub, and they work hard to offer products free from chemicals and packaging that are environmentally friendly and fully recyclable. I personally love that their sleep suits are not only machine washable, but have two way zips, so as to make it super easy to change your baby, especially at nighttime when you're struggling to see in the dark and free tired groggy eyes. All Adora Cub sleep suits can be purchased online at adoracub.com or on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, the first 50 customers to add the code BOOBINGIT to your cart at checkout with Adora Cub sleep suits will get 10% off. Alternatively, for the first 50 customers, if you add the code BOOBINGIT15 to your cart at adoracub.com, you will get 15% off your order directly from their website. So you, you actually touched on this, um, Rachel, you know, you talked about the co-sleeping bed sharing and mm-hmm. you know, we know that a lot of parents, particularly breastfeeding people do co-sleep bed, share breast sleep, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, you know, research has shown that this, this actually leads to a more peaceful and rest, restful night's sleep for both parent and child. Um, but we also know that there is a bit of anxiety around it too. You know, there's still this feeling that, oh, but they shouldn't be sleeping mm-hmm. with you and they should be in their own car or in their own room but can you tell us what it what for those people who are listening and maybe don't know what we're talking about here what what we actually mean when we talk about co-sleeping and why it's a choice that many families make yeah so co-sleeping is kind of just this big umbrella term that means sleeping in sensory proximity to your baby so for some families that means bed sharing where the baby is actually in the bed with the parent or parents Um, And for others, it's just a little bassinet or a side crib or cot uh, in the same room. And that's more referred to room sharing. Um, And parents do this, especially breastfeeding families will do this because it's easier. It gets, you know, babies right there. You can grab them really quickly before they get too escalated and upset and wake themselves up totally um, with each wake. They can, you know, be attended to quickly and put back to sleep. So it's also for safety. Um, it really reduces the risk of SIDS to co-sleep. Uh, you know, different countries have different uh, recommendations for how co-sleeping should happen. Here in the states, it's not officially recommended to bed share, but it is it is officially recommended uh, to share the room with your baby for the first year. Uh, as a protective measure against SIDS, because of course, if the baby is in sensory proximity to you, you know they're just being kind of continually monitored throughout the night which is ideal. Um, And it does tend to foster a healthier breastfeeding relationship. The closer the baby is to you, the more feeds they're getting, the more milk supply uh, is going to come in. So lots of families choose to to do it for that reason as well. And then I think, you know, there can be anxiety with uh, bed sharing because there's this message that it's not a good thing to do or it's dangerous, but lots of moms actually have this really intense anxiety when their baby is away from them. And maybe the only way that they can sleep is when they know that their baby is right there next to them and breathing and okay. Um, so lots of families choose to do it that way for that reason as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just all about what your comfort level is as far as bed sharing, where your baby is actually in your bed. I always just recommend looking up the safe sleep seven guidelines, which were put out by La Leche league international. Um, and those kind of just talk about how to set up your bed and your space to be as safe as possible for your baby. 
Yeah, um, and people can find those very easily online if they want to look very at Very easily, yeah. yeah. And that should give them a little bit more reassurance. I mean, I remember looking up the Safe Seat 7 with my daughter. You know, we kind of um, fell into co-sleeping, um, yep. you know, within a few weeks of breastfeeding because mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I was not getting any sleep really and I was almost falling asleep feeding her and I Mm -hmm. thought this sitting in a chair you know falling asleep feeding her because I was getting out of bed to feed her in a chair and I Mm -hmm. thought something this isn't this doesn't feel right this I'm scared of dropping her um and slowly I started to think well maybe co-sleeping isn't as bad because all I'd heard was oh no don't co-sleep you know that's dangerous no it's so true most uh accidents that happen um as far as you know, feeding and, and baby happen either on a reclining chair or on the couch, not in the bed. So that's why it is so important to learn how to safely co-sleep or how to safely bed share, because you're right. It's much more risky to be holding your baby upright and for them to slide down or fall or be dropped. So, um, yeah. Well, that's when my changing started. That's when my, sorry, thought process started to change because I thought, Mm -hmm. well, actually this isn't the safe option for me and I'm not getting any sleep. And it was a game changer, you know, just bring, you know, it was a total game changer. And then when it came to having my second son and he just wanted to be on me for those first few weeks of life, I just, Mm -hmm. I accepted it more because I thought, well, this is, he's been in my tummy for nine months. So it makes sense (laughs) that he kind of still wants to be near me and on me to sleep. And, um, but that didn't, you know, it didn't last for very long. Then he was, he was happy to be put down in mm-hmm. a cot on his own. It didn't spoil him as a lot of people say. Yeah. And I think that's such a common misconception too. People think that if they start bed sharing or start co-sleeping, they're never going to be able to stop or that their baby is going to sleep with them till they're five or something. Yeah. And it's just, it's almost always not the case. It's nothing to worry about babies yeah. and children, you know, need lots of closeness and connection and attachment in the first few months. And And with that, if they feel secure in that, they'll be ready to move on when they're ready or when you're ready to make a change. Yes. And that brings me on to my next question, actually, Rachel, you know, I think you kind of alluded to to it earlier. The current guidance is for babies to sleep in their parents' room to um, room share, as you say, up until six months old. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you can start to think about transitioning them into their own room. But of course, some little ones stay with their parents for longer than that. Mm Um, but for anyone listening who feels that right the time is right I would like to move my child into their own room finally get you know used to out of that beautiful nursery that we put together Um, what would your top tips be to help them with that process because I know a lot of parents do struggle with that yeah so I always say gradually is is usually best so it's not this huge big change all at once so what you could do I usually recommend starting with naps so if you're wanting your child to sleep in a separate space or a separate room just start with naps practice maybe one nap a day start working your way up to maybe all of the naps in that space or if your baby is one that tends to go down easy for bedtime you could try bedtime too so that's what we do with my daughter she's 20 months old She takes all of her naps in her crib in her own room, unless we're on the go and she's sleeping in the car or something. Um, And then we always put her down at bedtime in the crib. And then whenever she wakes up, I usually just bring her to bed and bed share from that point on, because like we said, it's just kind of easier and it's the way that I get the most amount of sleep. Um, So you could definitely start that way, just doing, you know, small manageable chunks, either for naps or bedtime. And then the other thing you could try is if you're strictly bed sharing and you want your baby to eventually be in a crib, you can start with just having the crib in your room. So maybe the crib is right next to you. Then after, you know, your baby's starting to get comfortable doing that, you can move the crib maybe further away from your bed and then eventually into their own room. 
Um, some parents also kind of do the opposite where they set up like a little floor bed or something in their baby's room so that their baby gets used to their own environment, but they still have the comfort of knowing that, um, that you're right there. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is I would just, I would recommend avoiding certain times. Like if you're getting ready to go back to work or your child is going to be starting at childcare or daycare, um, those are not times you know, to necessarily introduce even more separation. Uh, so usually I recommend having, you know, at least a few weeks in between any major transitions like that so that it's not too much all at once. Mm -hmm. And then you also want to think about separation anxiety. So babies go through separation anxiety. It's very, very normal. Usually starts to happen around six months and, you know, kind of peaks and valleys all the way through about 18 months or two years old. So I would just kind of pay attention to your baby and see if they seem to be going through a phase like that. It's most common to spike uh, separation anxiety at six months, nine months, and then again at 18 months. So I might just kind of avoid those ages. But other than that, there's really no perfect time. And there's no time that I would say absolutely not. It's got to be whatever works for your family. Mm. Um, and yeah, like we said before, there's no, um, there's no, research or, or evidence to say that any one age is, is ideal to move your baby out of your room. It's not like, unless you move them out by, you know, 16 months, they'll never get out. So, yeah, yeah. I think, um, it's good just to, to, you know, listen to what you, you know, your own mind and your own heart is saying, and don't be led by what the, what the, um, you know, the textbooks say, shall we say, you know, there's this feeling that, oh, we, we can't, we have to move the child into their own room at exactly six months. And that's not the case. You know, if it, if exactly, you, think, no. you think your child is not going to be ready or you're not going to be ready, let's be honest, sometimes the parents aren't ready. Um, you know, don't feel that pressure and do it and do it gradually as you recommend. So lots of good tips there, Rachel. Thank you. Now, my last question, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast, I think, on this one, but I just <laughs> wanted to touch on it because I know that a lot of people, you know, sleep is a big thing in their in their lives and, you know, they're, they're past that baby stage, but, you know, they've got a toddler, a preschooler who would be considered a bad sleeper. I don't like using that term. I'm sure you don't either, but, um, you know, they're still maybe not sleeping through the night. They're having frequent awakenings. The nighttime, the bedtime routine is a bit of a nightmare. It can take ages. So what would you say, you know, what would be the first steps to try and help promote better sleep for that child? Yeah. So I think one thing that we tend to overlook often is the connection and the emotional piece. So I think, you know, whenever I hear about a child who's having a really hard time with the separation of bedtime or something like that, I always want to hear about what's going on in the relationship and how their emotional cup is kind of getting filled up. So whether it's adding in, you know, some special time with the parents before bed, making sure that parents have all of their distractions and phones away at bedtime, um, things like that can actually go a really long way. Um, so I would always start there and just making sure that your child feels super secure and really connected to you um, is always a fantastic place to start. Um, and I also have a toddler course that is geared towards 18 months and up that talks a lot about, you know, different strategies that you can use and, and the different reasons for certain battles that you're seeing at bedtime. Sometimes it's that the child is afraid of something. Sometimes it's that they need more connection. Sometimes there's, you know, something sensory going on. Um, so there's all these different things that, that we could take into consideration. Um, but filling your child's emotional cup is always a great place to start. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. And, um, as you say, people can 
go on your website, go on your Instagram page, and they'll find lots of really useful links to um to um a lot of your information and your resources and your courses. Um, and yeah. because when you're in the depths of you know a sleep struggle or you know it's hard to see the wood for the trees and sometimes you need to look externally and you know for some help and and it could just be that light bulb moment you know oh I could try this or I could try that everything's worth giving it a go but as you say that emotional connection you know just a bit more sitting and reading with them perhaps or just chatting to them or you know just I know that my daughter at the towards the end of the day she just wants to come over and just nestle into me for a little bit before bedtime and then so we read sweet. a and then we read a story. You know, she's been she's just started um, school, so I, I notice that she needs a bit more of touchy feeliness, if you know what I mean, um, and a connection with her mummy. So you know, I have to be mindful of that and give her that time. Um, so yeah, I can totally get on board with that. And um, I think that toddler preschooler phase they can be going through so much, and especially the current generation who've been going through the COVID pandemic, and there's been lots yes. of strangeness in their lives. Mm-hmm. And things, you know, more than ever, we need to be aware of their of this emotional connection, as we say. So thank you so much, Rachel, for all your really helpful um, information and advice with us and for sharing it. Um, I really appreciate your time. Of course, it was such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so, so much again for having me. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you to Adora Cub for sponsoring this episode of the Booming Up podcast. Do check out their range of beautiful organic zipped sleep suits at adoracub.com or on Amazon. All their sleep suits come tissue wrapped and in a ribboned, 100% recyclable gift box and so would make a perfect gift for yourself, a friend or family member with a precious baby in their life. Don't forget to add the code Booming It to your card at the checkout on Amazon to get 10% off or the code Booming It 15 to your card on adoracub.com to get 15% off. for listening to this episode you can find the latest breastfeeding information articles and stories on boobingit.com and you can also join the boobingit community on facebook instagram and twitter see you in the next show